1: This is it, folks. The party is over. The The beer has been drank, drunk, drinking, broken. I don't know. But um, either way, I haven't had enough. But of alcohol, that is. But um, I definitely think I've had enough of uh, the grind. It'll be nice to have my life back a little bit. Um, NFL is just such. An intense amount of effort and uh, doing the rules this year and all that stuff has definitely upped the amount of time I spend on slates, uh, but I enjoyed it. I put a lot of lineups real close. Unfortunately, we didn't get the big win, uh, but um, and this week it looks like I am just not going to play a ton, folks, Um uh, I got a late start uh right now I'm looking more at single entry three entry type stuff, trying to narrow down to one lineup uh but the the chance is that uh Mark will get me excited and uh open up the floodgates a little bit. I did read the n f l edge and i um I had a lineup that I liked, and then I got to the last game read mark's um right up, and I'm like, ah. Mm. So for you who follow Minecraft, that was um, my villager saying, "Uh, not that interesting. So we'll see. Um, We're going to get a lot of stuff in. But I want to first take a a moment to just thank all of you. The enthusiasm that you guys show for the Run to Daylight podcast means the world to me. Um, I get crazy on weekends. Sometimes it's hard to answer DMs. But I just want to let each one of you know how much I personally appreciate each of you, that you take the time to listen to us. Uh, Hopefully, I've helped and Mark has helped to make you better players this year. I feel like I've become a much better uh, DFS player this year. And I look forward to continuing the journey with all of you next year. So um, not going to be a lot of rules talk today because I haven't done that and I'm not really planning on it. Um, But I do want to get to the slate. I wanted to thank each one of us, each one of you guys. I also want to thank the new kid on the block, Roto Maven, for all his help this year I think he has been just a marvelous addition, and it's just such a great group of guys to work with. I appreciate all you guys, Blender, uh, Zandemir, Dustin the Intern, um, and of course, Mark uh, Mark Gun- uh, Garcia, also known as Hilo. And uh, I guess this is a great time to bring him in, but before I do, I also wanna thank El Jefe, JM to win for giving me the opportunity to work for one week season and to really do the kind of show that I wanted to do this year, which was, you know, one hour of giving you picks with Mark and one hour of kind of stretching and more of an interview. And I I feel like it was very successful. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If you all have suggestions for next year, I'll probably want to mix it up again next year. So um, anybody who wants to tweet at me between now and next year, definitely we will have a new way of doing the pod for next year. Sound-wise, um, I I feel bad that um, the sound quality has been up and down again this year, but we will fix that for next year. So that is one of the longest intros we've had this year, especially without talking about the slate much. But it is the last episode of the year, and I wanted to um, just say those things. So, Mark, welcome back. And uh, it's it's party time, but it's the last party. And Mark is, of course, it wouldn't be the show this year if I forgot the last time to open Mark's mic. Hi, Mark. Yes,
0: I love it. What's up, man? That makes the show. It makes my show. I love
1: it. Dude, I cannot <laughs>
0: echo what you said uh, enough, like this working for with OWS and the OWS faithful is amazing. Like not only are like the staff of OWS absolutely amazing, but the users of OWS cannot be matched. So this has been my sincere pleasure and
1: uh, it's kind of bittersweet show for us, huh? It it is, but at the same time, you know, it's a grind. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had so much fun this year. I normally get burnt out a re- around week eight, and by week, you know, twelve or thirteen, it's just gotten to the point where I'm just really burnt. But you know, I even told JM before the year started, "Hey, I'm going to probably take off a couple weeks during the year to try and prevent that." But I had so much fun this year. We we literally, I literally didn't have any burnout till week sixteen. Yeah,
0: dude. I mean, and, same and, for me. Like I've, I've, I've burnt out in years prior and, and this year was, uh,
1: was just fun, man. I just, yeah. And you, you killed it, fun. buddy. I mean, I just, uh, you I, know, I talked about everyone else. I want to talk to, to to, you know, I, I made the decision to bring you along last year. You were one of the guys that I had gotten pretty close to and the way that you've kind of taken the opportunity given to you here at one week season, and just become one of the best voices in the industry. It's just been a pleasure to see the work that you put in for everyone at one week season. I just want to thank you for being a part of the run to daylight show and, and to give you thanks for all the hard work you've done for all the listeners this year, um, taking on a lot more responsibility here at OWS. And I can't wait to see uh, what what we're all going to do next year. Dude. 100% 100% right back at you, dude. Like, uh, bringing me along
0: for the ride uh, last year and kind of just seeing, you know, what has, has become of the opportunity is has been pretty incredible. And uh, it's been fun, dude. Let's keep it going, man.
1: Yep. So this is a very interesting slate, Mark. There's only four games. Um, let's start at the quarterback position where about 40% of the ownership looks like it is going to um, Patrick Mahomes and um, Josh Allen, and, and rightfully so. I know, well, just in general, one in your single entry, is one of those two guys your quarterback?
0: Yes. Uh, Patrick Mahomes will be my single entry quarterback, uh,
1: and we'll get into
0: the why in a little bit. Uh, but what I want to – talk about real quick with Mahomes is the state of the slate and the pricing on the slate. And I've seen a lot of chatter around the interwebs about how soft the pricing has gotten. And I think people are just primarily looking at pricing compared to regular season pricing. Like, oh man, this guy is $500 cheaper than his lowest point in the regular season. Well, that's kind of not the way to look at pricing in the postseason. We've only got four games on the slate. The pricing is also going to be altered because this is the prime time for these sites to be marketing their platform. What I mean by that is they're trying to attract new customers because they're trying to grab all the season-long guys who are looking for action, who are no longer doing season-long. They're trying to market to players who have never played before. So that affects pricing a little bit as well. But the big, what the biggest thing that goes into pricing is there's only four games. So it has to be – competitive uh, enough that goes into the algorithms and all that shit that spits out the pricing, it has to be a competitive edge and still an enjoyable game. So that's, that's why you're seeing some players uh, like Aaron Jones, for example, is a prime example. He's the cheapest has been all season at 6,800, but there's a reason for that. uh, And those are kind of the two big reasons. So with the pricing, it is still a tighter pricing slate than Both probably slates uh, from last weekend, both three game slates, the pricing is still tighter. Uh, And like I've kind of. Yeah, I mean,
1: if I can jump in, you don't want to have to be starting three or four guys who have no chance, right? Like, you know, you you don't want the slate to come down to, you know, who picks the, the, you know, who gets lucky with their $4,000 guy. I mean, there's always going to be a little bit of that in the slate, but, you know, with no injuries and no real value opening up, I like the way the pricing is. When I made the lineups, I I didn't feel like I was being choked to death. And I think that, you know, but at the same time, when I got to my flex position, I did have to pick somebody who was not uh, someone I really wanted to play. So I I think that um, that's a very good point. 100%
0: 100% I'm with you. I think the pricing is is
1: is pretty solid uh, for the slate, all things considered.
0: Um, now, looping back to Mahomes, the reason, or I guess because of pricing being on the tighter side, you're likely going to see majority of the Mahomes ownership have either or Travis Kels or uh, Tyreek Hill. And the reason being, obviously, it's going to be a little bit, tougher and more difficult to fit all three of them in when they're all, uh, you know, amongst the top two um, highest salary at their respective position. You know, the only one who's not the highest price at his position is Tyree Kill behind only Devontae Adams. So that said, there's going to be some solid leverage by playing all three of those guys together this week uh, in Mahomes, and I'll be looking to take advantage of that on my Mahomes lineups.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's interesting. I, I haven't really thought about it because the one lineup that I had made was the Drew Brees lineup, and we can get into that a little bit more. I mean, because Tampa is a true pass-funnel defense, right? And mm-hmm. I think that when you look at, you know, they're, it's a home game, and they're going to have to pass. And right now the lowest ownership on the slate is – Rogers breeze and Brady and Baker are all about the same, you know, right around 10%. I, my first thought was, you know, last game, big game Drew breeze. I, you know, when I look at these ownership projections, I think push comes to shove breeze is going to have a lower ownership than Brady. Um, And so my feeling is, you know, on a short slate, you know, if you leave that, that money to the last, you know, if you have a New Orleans stack, um, which right now I did, I had Breeze, I had Kamara, I had Michael Thomas, and it wasn't that expensive of a stack, It was, and, and that was my way of being different and low-owned, and, you know, Kamara does not have a good natural matchup, but we're talking about, you know, something that JM talks about a lot, which is you know he doesn't use the phrase rational coaching but you know Sean Payton is one of the smarter coaches out there um and in a game without Latavius Murray i think the best way for the for New Orleans to win is to have Kamara very heavily involved in the pass game um it wouldn't shock me for Kamara to get 10 catches so uh, his ownership isn't as heavy as I thought it would be. Uh but that was my initial uh, take on the slate was to go instead of the three Kansas City studs to go to the three uh New Orleans Saints guys. Yeah, I think that is
0: one hundred percent viable. Um I would I think it's a, a little bit more of an MME mindset. And what I mean by that is on a four game slate you're really looking for you know, top scores at the respective position, particularly at quarterback where it can be a a a large differentiator. Um and so for that reason, basically I would not or or I didn't land at Drew Brees, but I think that's one hundred percent viable on this slate. And oh by the way, Taysom Hill banged up so you don't have to worry about getting goal line sniped. That's I, I thought
1: about that too. <laughs> yeah, I meant to mention that too. And that was another factor. So um, again, I did this a day or so ago and ownership has changed a lot. Like Cam Akers now is showing it 60% ownership uh, before yeah, I knew he that was, was showing coming. much less for me. So I feel like the best play on the slate right now is Aaron Jones. I know we're kind of brushing over quarterback and we can get back to some of the other quarterbacks in a minute, but... Um, Right now, I'm showing 20% ownership on Aaron Jones. I think, you know, people are going to try and play Devontae Adams even with Jalen Ramsey on him. And the ones who fade him are more likely to, you know, my first thought if you're going to fade Devontae Adams, what you do is you take either Lazard or MVS, right? But how many times this year have we seen where. The answer, a lot of times, if it's not Devonte, it's uh, it's Jones. And then you wrote really well and in, in, in very much in depth about how Aaron Jones' snap count is up. I think this is going to be a closer game than people think. And I think Aaron Jones, with his ability to hit from both pass and run, um, is a pretty good play on the slate. Yeah,
0: I like that a lot. And to take that one step further, thinking about how the field is likely to construct their rosters this week, you're not going to see a lot of two pay-up running backs. And I cover that in the end around. If you're playing two of Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, and Alvin Kamara, your roster is you're basically fighting against 5%, 10% of the field as opposed to, uh, you know, 80% that are going to have one pay-up. Quarter or one pay up running back and one pay down running back this week. Um, high percentage chance that those running backs are going to be Alvin Kamara and um, Devin Singletary uh, or Cam Akers being the pay up and one pay down. So if you're doing the two by pay up or the two by pay down at running back, you're automatically throwing in some solid leverage this week. So, and I like Aaron Jones uh, fitting into that
1: mold uh, pretty good. Yeah, and and in general, the 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 more I look at it, Adams doesn't have heavy ownership uh, now that it's been revised. Rogers has the lowest ownership on the slate. I mean, if you you know, and this is kind of leaning more into an MME, uh, where, where you know I I might decide in the last minute to, to start putting in fifty or sixty lineups. You know, <laughs> it, you know, right now I'm showing Adams at twenty percent. And it looks like the fear of of, uh, Jalen Ramsey is real. And the biggest factor, you know, might be in this game, in this whole slate, might be the health of Aaron Donald. Because even if he, you know, if he's 20%, you know, affected, 15, 20% affected, I mean, that is a huge difference. Um, When you're talking about the amount of pressure that Aaron Rodgers is going to see, and let's face it, Aaron Rodgers is one of the better quarterbacks between his quick release and his ability to move in the pocket and to get out of trouble, even at an older age. Aaron Rodgers has the ability. Um, I think that's kind of a sneaky angle for the week, too, if if you think about it.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I would I would go into this game assuming
1: that Aaron
0: Donald is going to be affected by that injury. You know, a torn rib cartilage injury, especially for a pass rusher where how is he being blocked? He's being blocked up under the pads in his midsection. He's getting hands to his midsection and he's going to be banging bodies. So there's definitely he's definitely going to be playing through some pain. They're gonna mitigate that through, you know, lidocaine, novocaine shots. Uh similar to um the bursitis issues in the knee for oh god, who's the running back that has it? I forget, whatever. Continuing. There's there's ways to manage pain and No, I'm oh shit. I'm gonna have to go look. Uh I'm <laughs> I am all discombobulated of the mind because I've just been football, 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 uh nonstop this week. Um, but um Oh, no, it's, it's Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup has oh, a okay, side sure. issue in his knee um, that he'll be playing through. And there's, there's obviously ways to manage it. It's a pain management issue. It is extremely painful. And I'd expect the same thing for Aaron Donald. Um, it's, it's not something that's going to hold him out of the game, but it's something that he's going to be playing through pretty significant pain. Obviously, they're going to load him up with lidocaine or novocaine shots to affect the general area of that pain. Uh, but it, it's, you know, still, he's going to be, for Donald, he's going to be taking blows to that area. For Cup, he's going to be planting that knee, and it's going to be painful. So, um, you know, a 10%, 20% even effect on these guys is, is going to be significant.
1: Yeah, and, and if you think about what makes Donald, you know, I was huge on Aaron Donald coming out of college. Um, he, he You know, his, his, his elite speed and quickness, is what makes him what he is. I mean, he, he's also got other things as well, but I remember watching his tape and he was in the backfield most of the time in college before it looked like before the snap even happened. And it wasn't that he was just so great at uh, anticipating. It was just that when the play started, he was able to get to a spot so quickly you know, the, the knock on him coming out was that he was too small. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I remember, you know, looking at him and saying, I don't care how big this dude is. I mean, he, he, you know, every time you, every time you turn on the tape, he's, he's through the line before, you know, it's almost, it was almost a joke how quick he was in there. Any kind of injury like that is going to uh, affect your, your twitch and your speed and your ability to move quickly
0: sure and and Aaron Jones is not you know he is a he is a game wrecker but he's not he's just a piece of the function here for this Rams defense right i mean they are in all three levels of their defense so while it's going to affect the amount of times Aaron Jones is going to or sorry Aaron Donald is going to find himself in the backfield uh pressuring uh Aaron Rodgers it's not like he's just not it's not like he's still not going to have an effect on this game. It's just going to be a little bit muted, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and, but that's that's enough, right? I mean, again, yeah. you know, and Goff, Goff has a, an injury. Cup is hurt. I mean, w- you know, we talk about different ways this game could go. You know, this game could essentially, you know, if Acres is going to be 60% owned, I think in single entry, you have to fade him. Um, just simply because if you know Green Bay is able to get up two or three touchdowns, they're just not going to be able to hand the ball off to Acres, no matter how good the the opportunity is. And I think you know again that's where you know playing more than one lineup comes in, where you can build towards a certain outcome. Um, but I mean, I love Acres in a vacuum. But if you're going to tell me he's going to be 60% owned and, and you wrote very eloquently about how, you know, he is a, a, a yards and touchdown back. Um, if that game turns into a situation where they're down a couple touchdowns and Goff is forced to throw, this could get very ugly pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. I mean, this uh, this game has probably, I would say, the second widest range of potential outcomes uh, just from a game flow standpoint. Um, and, and that's just because it is such a strength-on-strength strength matchup. Um, and the, the, second, the first most widest range of outcomes game is probably the last game, the Tampa Bay-New Orleans game. And that's just because we have two elite units, you know, going at each other. And there's just such a wide range of potential outcomes that can, you know, evolve from that type of game. So um, it's definitely interesting. Uh, attacking you know the first game, which is likely not going to carry a lot of ownership. Uh, but um, I would definitely play towards both ends of that spectrum with that wide range of potential outcomes for the slate.
1: So we've talked about, you know the Green Bay game, we've talked about the Tampa Bay game. We've talked about one half of the Kansas City game. Let's talk about the other half of the Kansas City game. Right now, this is an 11-point spread. Um, What is the most likely scenario that you wrote about for this game? And and how do you – I mean, if you're playing the three uh, studs, the one thing I will say about that is that Baker Mayfield does mix it up a good bit of who he's throwing to, and – you know, it makes Higgins and, um, you know, some of the lesser known names, um, you know, pretty interesting. And that also plays into if you're going to play the three KC studs, you're not going to be able to afford Chubb and then have a pretty good team around it. I think um, that is an interesting way to look at Cleveland. What is your thoughts?
0: Yeah. So they I think the the leverage in this game is to go full game stack, right? Bet on Cleveland, you know, going toe to toe with Kansas City. The the likely scenario is KC completely controls this game from start to finish. The most likely tributary is this game does turn into a back and forth affair, and it the Cleveland production is likeliest to come from the running backs, so both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Those are – the utility of each is basically biased towards towards a different game scenario. So, obviously, if Cleveland go up first and are able to, you know, play to a one-score game for the duration of the first half, Nick Chubb is going to see a pretty significant, you know, workload in that first half. If Kansas City gets the ball first, goes, scores, gets a turnover, scores again, and now Cleveland finds themselves – playing from behind for pretty much the majority of the game, well, now Kareem Hunt is extremely viable and extremely valuable at only 4,800. So, each of those running backs is is viable for kind of the opposite ends of the spectrum for how this game unfolds. One player that I really like or the, I guess, for the other most likely, uh, I guess, path of least resistance is Austin Hooper. And just because of the the zone scheme of Kansas city's defense, Austin Hooper and the tight end position as a whole uh, is one of the passive least resistance. So I really like him to see approaching double digit targets here. And he's a uh, super valuable at only
1: 3,800. And that is another way to mix up your lineup by playing two tight ends. Um, you know, th- that has gotten out of fashion uh, in a big way for very good reasons. Uh, but if you uh, played Kelsey and Hooper uh, and they both hit, that would also make you pretty unique. Another way that you could play this game is say that, well, the Chiefs are going to win 42 to 31 and they might even be up, you know, let's say they, they, they get out to a 35 to 14 lead. Well, the rest of the game is going to be Baker Mayfield trying to get back in the game And a neat way to play it would be to use the Browns pass catchers with the Chiefs pass catchers and Baker Mayfield instead of Mahomes, even though Mahomes does more damage early. um, You know, it could be Baker playing from behind. And that is an interesting angle, I think, uh, and way to play Uh, this game on a slate where you're trying to be unique, go to two tight ends with Baker I think is uh, in large field is going to be pretty darn low owned. Yeah,
0: yeah, I I agree with that hundred percent. The way I went the other way with it with uh, one of my entries that I'll be playing to like a to a game stack of this game, and that's playing Mahomes, Tyreek, Kels, Hooper, and Kareem Hunt. Uh, so that is the scenario that Kansas City's coming off a buy. We know Andy Reid offenses coming off a buy have absolutely annihilated the opponent so they come out firing score three four touchdowns all through the air in the first half and then Cleveland is playing catch up for the rest of the game uh, likely through um, Kareem Hunt and Austin Hooper
1: so yeah Yeah. will they will they be putting catch
0: up on their fries though well if they're playing Mahomes he's gonna dare them to I think
1: yeah yeah. All right. So that that's a couple ideas on how to play that game. And then we get to the Baltimore Buffalo game. Um, this is the game that has a 49 total and uh, a very close um, score. Um, I'm hoping because of my I, I've got an FFPC team that's in 118th place and I, I made three teams in the FFPC challenge, and I've got eight guys going this weekend, and I've got Jackson at quarterback, along with Kamara and Akers at running back, Devonte Adams at wide receiver, um, and Kelsey at tight end. So uh, I'm, I, it, maybe it's wishful thinking on my part, but I could see uh, Lamar Jackson having a big week and, you know, he is definitely going to be lower owned than Josh Allen. Yeah,
0: 100%. Who's your Buffalo guy on that lineup?
1: Diggs. Like it. I like it. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm uh, i in 118th place. I'm guaranteed to have eight, four, and two because I've got eight guys. I've got Antonio Brown and Kamara. So I'll come out of that game with one guy. I've got the Cleveland defense and I've got Kelsey. So I'll get, you know, hopefully most likely it'll be Kelsey. Um, I've got Lamar Jackson and Diggs, So I'll come out of the game with somebody and I've got acres and Devante. So, um, you know, if, if it's a, if I come out with Lamar um, out of that game, I'm going to be pretty dangerous. There's only one other team that has all five of, um the the key guys that i have so if lamar can come out of if lamar and kelsey get through you know pretty much what either way that happens with uh the other two i'll, I'll be in pretty good shape and then if acres somehow gets through uh he's only nine percent owned and there's only one like i said one team that that, that has uh everyone so that'll be interesting
0: Yeah, and that actually reminded me of
1: something that I didn't
0: touch on in the edge as much as I wanted to, but I wanted to talk to here, and that is Antonio Brown and why he saw such a low snap rate last week. Um, So with the injuries, there were two injuries to the Tampa Bay offensive line last week. Because of that, the um, Arians and the Tampa Bay offense played – an enormous amount of 12 personnel and the reason they did that is to keep Rob Gronkowski into block and it was extremely effective actually and Gronk was kept into block almost that entire game and they were basically using him as a sixth offensive lineman to shore up that line against Chicago's pass rush. Entirely effective and a a really, really clever way by Arian to shore up that offensive line. Well now so what that did is it led to, you know, a 40, what it was, 48%, something like that snap rate for um, Antonio Brown as they didn't have uh, the personnel to play 11 personnel. Now coming into this week, their offensive line is healthy again. And so I'd expect Antonio's, Antonio Brown's snap rate to jump back up to that 60, 70, 75% range uh, here, as opposed to below 50%. So, um, that's something that I don't think a lot of people are going to catch on to. Makes Antonio Brown uh, super interesting, uh, who is likely going to be running routes against Janoris Jenkins, uh Jenkins for a good chunk of the game. Nice. Uh,
1: what about the two quarterbacks in the Buffalo game?
0: The two, I love both quarterbacks, um, and I think they're going to be played largely incorrectly when they are played, leveraging off of Mahomes. I like Lamar Jackson a lot, and I like Lamar Jackson naked a lot. I think um, the ownership that L. jacks does carry is likely going to be paired with uh, Mark Andrews. People are think they're going to be being cheeky there. I covered in depth in the game right up in the edge as well as in the end around that there is literally only one game scenario where Mark Andrews is <laughs> going to see over six to eight targets. His, you know, his normal six to eight targets. And that's if Baltimore falls behind early and big. It, literally any other game flow or game scenario in that game, Mark Andrews is likely going to be limited to six to eight targets. And I, don't, I think people are overstating uh, the possibility for him to see increased targets here. And I think Andrews is probably going to carry significant ownership, and it's likely going to be paired with Jackson.
1: All right. Yeah, I think uh, Lamar Lamar naked is always one of my favorite things to do. Um, sure, he can hit with Brown, and Brown's been playing a lot better the last few weeks, uh, which is going to affect his ownership, right? I mean, uh, mm-hmm. someone plays better, and they're going to have more ownership. So let's look at, in general, wide receiver ownership right now um i'm showing Diggs at uh 44% uh thomas at 35 hill at 35 landry at 27 devonte at 20 godwin at uh, uh at 16 and then brown at 16 so um i think that um i think that robert woods based on all this stuff um I think that Robert Woods becomes a very interesting play uh, because of Cooper Cup being limited and him and Woods being a 10% owned on a slate like this. Um, but he kind of jumps out at me a bit.
0: Yeah, I uh, there's very few paths of least resistance. When you consider the Rams offensive personnel that are healthy and what green Bay is willing to give up green Bay is extremely difficult Uh, for tight ends, and that is primarily due to their defensive scheme uh, inside. They're basically an inside-out zone defense, and that makes life on tight ends extremely difficult. So if you think about cut being hobbled, you think about the tight ends are going to have a tough go of it inside. Who is left for them to move the ball? And that is pretty much Robert Woods and Cam Akers. So, I I do have significant interest in acres. Don't
1: leave out Josh Reynolds. I mean, he he definitely flashed this year.
0: Yeah, Josh Reynolds and and Van Jefferson, they're likely going to split snaps basically uh, 70-30 for the available snaps left for the wide receivers. Um, And he could see increased snap rate if if Cup is limited uh, in his mobility. So there is is merit there. I won't discount that for sure.
1: Yeah. uh, Just looking at some different things, uh, that kind of jumped out at me. Why is my – I hate life sometimes. Why is this doing this? All right. Let's not worry about that. Um, one of the biggest problems always with playing the bucks is which wide receiver to play right now. Godwin is, has the most, uh, and Mike Evans has the least projected ownership. Uh, what is your thought on those three guys? Um, and what, what, what did you find in your research? Basically that offense, has the highest amount of variance
0: of any offense this week. And the reasons being one, the snap rates that I alluded to earlier are going to look entirely different than they did last week. I would think, um, two being the matchup, obviously, uh, we know, you know, Marshawn Lattimore versus Mike Evans. We know how that's played out in the past. Um, but the big thing is we've, it's really, really hard to narrow down where the targets are going to go. And we we know likeliest scenario is likely going to be 40 to 42 pass attempts for Brady. We just don't know where those targets are going to be going to from a likeliest case this week. And I put an interesting uh, idea in the end around for MME play, and, and that kind of surrounds a, a rule for this week. And one of those ideas was – exactly one of the four main pass catchers for uh, the Bucks. The reason being is it's unlikely that they completely fail, but it is difficult to narrow down where the targets are going to go. And with the ownership of the, the big four, we'll call it uh, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, uh, Mike Evans, and Rob Gronkowski, the ownership isn't overly prohibitive. So, by making a rule for, you know, say for half of your lineups for MME guys, for making a rule of exactly one of those four, uh, you're capturing significant upside at likely lower than should be ownership.
1: I like it. I like it. Um, We've talked about uh, Hooper at tight end, and we've talked about Kelsey at tight end. Are there any other tight ends you do like? Um. Not really from a ownership versus versus chance of opening
0: the slate up. Uh, Yeah, not really. Um, You can always take a shot on some of these lower priced, lower owned guys. Uh, But I would put, uh, I would throw Rob Gronkowski as we talked about uh, just now. Um, We
1: talked about why that is, uh, but I would throw Rob Gronkowski in there as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, Any defense that you like this week? Yeah, my favorite defense sounds so gross, but is the Rams priced all the way down at
0: 2600 Uh, You know, they're still the best defense in the league. And with a strength-on-strength matchup with the best defense and the best offense in the league, uh, there is a, a wide range of potential outcomes. So uh, just leveraging the a little bit of the unknowns and the price drop and differential of where they should be for uh,
1: the best defense in the league. All right. Um Let's see, are there any other key questions? Um, you know, John Brown has done pretty much nothing since he came back. Any thoughts on John Brown? Yeah, I don't like the matchup. He's um he's going to be running
0: uh he's he is going to be playing snaps like we saw last week. I think he was back up to 97 or 98% of the offensive snaps. Like he played all but one one or two snaps uh in the wild card round. So he is back to health. He is back to you know, going to be on the field. Um, but the matchup is, is kind of gross. And the the best pure matchup for the Bills to move the ball is inside uh, with Cole Beasley. And hit, that's kind of a health versus ownership versus upside type, you know, equation that we got to work through. But I do like Cole Beasley uh, a good deal leveraging off of the highly owned Stefan Diggs.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Um, Let me see if I have any other questions for you, Mark. I think, you know, for a small slate, we hit this pretty hard. Um, I'm going to go back to running back. Um, You know, one guy we didn't talk about was Devin Singletary. Um, I think the assumption is he's going to get a lot more action because of Moss being out. They have TJ Yeldon up. Um, and we also didn't talk about the Chiefs if single if uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is out. Um, what are your thoughts on those guys? Yeah, my, my
0: read on Singletary is he is the period dot highest value when you're talking about expected touches versus price. Um, with that said, there is definite game theory merit to, you know, do I play him, do I not? And that's something that I think – you're going to have to differentiate the rest of your roster if you are going to play Devin Singletary, and I do have, um, I do have a pretty significant uh, interest in Singletary. Again, just because he is the best pure value on the slate. You know, likely scenario he's going to see 14 to 16 carries, and he's got the upside for five to seven, maybe four to six targets. Uh, so you're looking at a solid 20 to 22 running back opportunities for 4,500. Which is uh, which is a tough pass, but uh, he is going to be he is going to carry pretty significant ownership uh, or expected ownership, and um, like we alluded to earlier, it's likely going to be paired with you know one of these higher priced running backs, primarily Alvin Kamara. So if you're playing him, realize what you're getting. The matchup is difficult. He does not carry heavy touchdown equity. Uh, so realize what you're getting, but the value is good. And if you're playing him, think about ways to differentiate the rest of your lineup.
1: Yep. Um, I think the chiefs, um, I, I I think that the assumption is going to be that it's going to be heavy on Bell, but Bell just hasn't looked good. I, I I know we talk about numbers and we talk about everything, but one thing you have to consider is who's going to really be on the field. And we haven't seen Bell play all that much, have we, when uh, CEH went down? No, and that that points us back to that the week where I called Le'Veon Bell like the
0: biggest bad chalk play on the slate uh, when CEH was out earlier in the year. And, yeah, if if CEH misses this game, it's going to be a mix of Darrell Williams and Le'Veon Bell. So, I mean, just realize, again, what you're getting – and I don't expect the Chiefs to, to really want to run the ball very much when they're going to likely have such easy success or such an easy
1: go of it through the air. Yep. And the last uh, a guy that I'm going to force into probably 10% of my um, lineups is uh, Darwin Thompson. You know, he, he played really good in week 17. And he, you know, Darryl hasn't looked all that good. I think, you know, that's a guy on a very short slate. Like if the answer is that Andy Reed, who's smart enough to get his best guys on the field, if that's a guy who ends up getting a bit of the Damian Williams role, boy, um, you know, it, we've seen in that offense how, how quickly a running back can get two touchdowns if they're playing, uh, you know, and are incorporated in the short passing game. Um, I think he is the sneakiest play on the week. I don't hate it for MME. I don't hate it. Yeah, exactly. It's not a, uh, it's definitely 10% of tops. Uh, you know, right now he's projected at 0% ownership. So you don't need a lot to get on top of the field. You could go 5%. Um, but on a short slate, you know, a guy like that um, is probably, to me, the sneakiest. It, you know, I haven't been making too many of the old-fashioned Todd picks. But, um, you know, and I think most people don't understand the Todd picks. They're not meant to be you, – you don't need – you know, a guy like that, you don't need a lot right? Because there is no one's going to have them. Uh, but you want, you know, you want more than one bullet, you know, you want them in at least three or four lineups if you're, or it's not worth it. Um, so, um, you know, I'm, I right now, I guess I just went in and made 60 lineups. I, I, I'm having yeah, second buddy. thoughts if, if, if I have <laughs> the energy to do that, but, uh, 5% would be three and, uh, 7% would be four or five lineups. So, uh, yeah, I uh, I think I'm gonna make that happen if I do it. Get it, baby. One guy that I think could sneak up in ownership that we didn't talk about. I got about till 4:35 tomorrow. The game's not till 4:35. I got plenty of time. Yeah, man, that's extra Gucci. You Gucci baby. Hey, man, I'm yeah. I'm in the new year. Um, <laughs> you know, anyway. I uh that's a that's a note to myself that people don't understand. But I wanted to win more this year than last year for some personal reasons financially. Um anyway, uh no Lex tonight. Um uh Lex is less this week and uh, I wanna thank Lex yeah, also dude. for <laughs> what's that? Yeah, I just did the doodle. <laughs> well, I could, you know, I, I had to to finish the season with one last bun, one last you know <laughs> to, one one last Toddism. So, uh, yeah. hey, love you, Mark. Uh, appreciate you so much. Appreciate everything. Um, our partnership means the world to me, and um, I want to thank you again. Uh, wish you the best this year. Wish you the best with the NBA product. And uh, I'm sure we'll do some off-season pods talking about something. And, um, you know, hopefully, Lord willing, we'll reconvene next year for another year of the RTD pod on OWS. Likewise, brother. It's been a blast, man. Yep. All right, folks, that's going to do it. Again, I kind of did the end of the show at the beginning. I really appreciate you all from my heart. Um, I appreciate that you take the time to incorporate my show into your week uh, that you join me on my journey and I get to come along uh, with your guys journey as well Um, we call it the OWS family we really do feel that way we really do feel that that's part of what separates one week season from the other sites I'm proud to be part of your family and I'm happy to have you be part of our family and with that I am going to say we are finished for 2020 NFL season. Um, good luck in all your lineups. And uh, hopefully one of us takes down a big payday this weekend. That's going to oh, do dude. it, folks. The shot. Emmanuel.
0: Yeah, go shot. Emmanuel ahead.
1: Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders, play him. Oh, you know, I meant to ask <laughs> about that because I read that you had said about him. And he was staring at me when we were looking at um, the other guy that I was talking about, uh, Josh Reynolds. And Manny right now is only looking at about 6.8% public. So, um, you know, uh, I think Nicole Hardman's going to get a lot of play because of Sammy Watkins being out. Um, I I like the Sanders call at uh, a price of 4,500. All right, so, uh, you know, that is gonna do it. That's uh, a wrap, and we will see you all later. Have a good one, guys. See